Welcome, everybody, to episode six. Uh, a little pivot this week, Puff. We've talked. Yes. We're going to do a little change. after Feedback a few has come in. Feedback has come in. We're going to divide up the To The Ring podcast to be able to come out twice a week now. We're going to do, we're going to try to do once a week with an interview and then we're going to do once a week with the ranking report. Yes. uh, Where we rank the teams and we talk. So we'll have hopefully moving forward two shorter podcasts each week coming out. Yes. That's what the feedback was mostly from our wives. (laughs) That we were talking too long. Yeah. Too long. Gotta be shorter. We got to be shorter. So that's fine. It's very exciting this week. We have a really great interview with Cheryl Pounder, uh, former Team Canada 2002 2006 Winter Olympics, Women's Winter Olympics, where they won. Uh, now currently an analyst on TSN. And also, you will hear her on uh, everyone's favorite game, NHL 24, as the color commentator on that. Uh, which is out now, I believe. Is it out now? It's out. It's out yeah, now, it's yeah. out now. So you can hear Cheryl talk all about that on the interview that we have with her today and um, and talk a little bit about uh, her hockey career. Joining us now, one of uh, my uh, close friends at work. She's a former Olympian, but most importantly, she's a hockey mom and a hockey coach, Cheryl Pounder. Uh, Cheryl, thanks for joining us on the To The Ring podcast. Uh, did I have a choice, Puff? No, I'm just kidding. In, in all seriousness, it's uh, it's awesome to be here just to chat minor hockey. And I think that's where the passion starts, right? The passion starts at the grassroots level. And I think uh, forever until I am old and gray, although my kids think I'm old and gray right now, um, I'll be I'll be involved somehow in the game because I, I just love it. That's great. Yeah. Thanks for, yeah. Thanks for joining us today, Cheryl. Really appreciate it. And so just to start us off for those that listen to us, um, we wanted to just get a a bit of a background about yourself in the path on what you took uh, to get yourself into the Olympic team and then on to TSN and on to where you are today uh, and coaching and being a coach as well. Uh, So if you could give us a little bit of background, that'd be great. Yeah. um, Well, you know, my brother. So I started I started playing road hockey, actually, with my brothers. And so they did put me in net all the time. So I'm surprised I'm not a goaltender Um, (laughs) or or maybe it's not surprising because they did put me in net and managed to beam the ball in my head every time, um, you know, every time they shot. But I started in ringette. So a lot of um, women my age, there wasn't a lot of like hockey wasn't what it is today in terms of uh, a female option or a, a viable option, a strong option. So a lot of uh, ladies my age started playing ringette. And so a lot of my age group are were really strong skaters. I often say that we couldn't shoot the puck very hard because you're always, you had the ring in front of you. And, and so the dynamic about that uh, was a little bit different. But I played for a few years and I, I wanted to move into the into the hockey game because I was always going to my brother's games. And so I turned to my parents one day and said, like, why not? Why not me? Why can't I? Why can't I play? And my sister felt the same way. And they said, yeah, you're right. Why not? And we were real fortunate because living in Mississauga, the time you have Hurricane Hazel and uh, she was huge into hockey. And, you know, there was an option uh, within the Mississauga Girls Hockey League for me to be a part of at a young age, playing with young women who were strong. I had to play up a few age groups as I would get a little bit older. But so I was able to play the female game for for a number of years in the city that I was residing in. So that was that was really 
a great thing for me to, to be entrenched in that. I did have option to play boys hockey at the time, but because I did have an option in the female game, I, I elected personally, or my parents elected to, to put me in, in the female game. So that's kind of the start. Uh, so I'm one of the only ones I would think that stayed in the female was started in the female game, went right through the female game onto the national team, given my, given my age, obviously it changes over time, but um, given my age and and the amount that was available, uh, I was probably one of the only ones. Right. So it was pretty common for uh, girls to play on boys teams and then sort of go up through that way and then gradually change over to an all women's team. Exactly. And obviously contact and hitting became one of the precursors for women to move over into into the right. women's game. So they would a lot of my friends would play the, the men's game, the boys game when they were younger up until a certain level where they felt like it was becoming too physical for their stature or whatever. Uh, and then and, and the changes and the differences between males and females and so that they would change over uh, at the higher level of the female game. Um, but for me, because we had a thriving organization in my backyard <laughs> at that time, felt yeah. like it was it was appropriate, not appropriate, but there was um, an environment that could develop me, uh, I could enjoy and be a part of. So that's kind of why I went through it at that time. Right. And some of my peers did not. And some of my peers didn't live in sort of that GTA area. If you lived outside, you live out skirts. I know a lot of my friends, you know, living in Saskatchewan, rural Saskatchewan, there was no, no opportunity to play female hockey. So you would congregate at the community rank and you're playing, you're playing with boys. And so that was their path because of their geographic location and the numbers game. So um, I was just fortunate to live in a big city where we had a program. Right on. Mm. Cheryl, your daughters play elite hockey uh, and you coach elite hockey. Now, we have a lot of young girls that play in the GTHL and eventually yep. transition over. Is there a time that you think it's a, a makes the most sense or is it just a, a different? every person's different? Well, I think it's individual. And I think there's two things here. And again, I, got, I probably should be careful what I say because every every athlete's different. You have some some young women who can be in a, a male dressing room get changed on their own still love it thrive not care about the social aspect or they like that social aspect they don't know any different you have some that you'll come over to the women's game they don't talk as much because they haven't been as entrenched uh in that room if you will you have uh you know aggressive players who it's right in their wheelhouse to be physical and then you have some so they can stay a little bit longer they're skilled they're fast they're strong um, women typically develop younger. So, you know, we may have our growth spurt young so that we're bigger to start. And then all of a sudden you come back after a summer and you're going, wow, job <laughs> grew, right? And so yeah. that, you know, that that makes a difference. But for me, I think that there's always a, a an area where I think parents have to be mindful. Parents automatically think in my it's sort of in my landscape, it's just what my, I've been exposed to. This is not painting everyone with the same brush. That, you know, automatically being in the boys game is better at a young age because I want my girl to be aggressive and I want her to. Right. So they automatically think that. Uh, so they, they put them in that environment, which there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, my daughters, uh, just because it was close, uh, played in, you know, tyke with boys. It was mixed. Right. And I helped coach. I volunteered. So from that, that standpoint. But then when you stay in it, there's a point where. The development that they think the positive benefit that they're going to get from the boys game, um, I think they can lose. 
if they don't switch at the right time. So if they hold on a year too long, a lot of girls get thrown back on defense. In my okay. experience, uh, get it out, get the puck out. So off the glass, don't be safe. So your puck skills start to decline. And then they'll make the switch sometimes if they waited too long and they aren't that elite, elite player. Um, so there's less, there's dwindling minutes. And parents will expect that they're going to make the top teams. And then they don't. Because women's hockey is really fast. Um, there's, there's, you know, the IQ game, the steering, the angling. And so I think there's this expectation. There's this misnomer that because we just play boys, we are automatically going to be better. And, and that's not always the case. It is the case sometimes. Of course, there's some women you're like, oh, man, she is good. But again, I think there's that fine line. And you really have to pay attention as a parent. How many puck touches am I getting a game? Am I, am I, you know, carrying the puck? Am I just getting rid of the puck? Am I being encouraged to carry if I'm a, a, a defender? Am I just wiping it off the boards because that's, you know, I'm the fifth, six, and I just got to get it out and I can't be scored on. So those elements, I think, that they really have to pay attention to because all of that growth you saw in the underbelly in their, their minor hockey, I think if you don't develop in a year at that age, yeah. it's huge. Right. So it's, it's, it's a fine line. I don't think I could ever say to one of my athletes, yeah, now's the time or now's not the time because you're not entrenched in there every day. But I, I do think you have to really, really be mindful with an open eye um, to make sure that you're really paying attention, paying attention to that and the opportunities that you're getting on the ice um, because you don't want to lose, lose a year of development as well. Right. So moving from the players to the coaching, then, you know, there's a lot of, I think, moms and, and women that would like to be behind the bench and like to participate with the team. Do you have any advice for women who maybe don't feel confident enough to get involved in coaching the minor hockey teams, whether it be, um, you know, a girls team, but also an all boys team, like a GTHL senior elite team, say? Well, I think we see at the younger age level, sometimes at the very, very grassroots types, like parents, moms who played, they'll, they'll get involved. And I don't know the numbers, but years ago when I was looking at the numbers, the, the number of coaches that are women, they, you know, as they get into the higher levels, they, they decline. Right. So the confidence in your knowledge, the confidence in your expertise, the execution of skills on ice. So let's say as an example, I'm a brilliant hockey. I'm not saying me. I'm saying like I, I played uh, I played a decent level of hockey. As a, as, as, a, as a young woman, I retired early, maybe I had my family, got a job, did whatever. And so my skills aren't necessarily great. Well, your skills don't have to be great to be a great coach, but you have to have people who can show those skills. So for me, I think we, uh, there's a big drop off into those high performance roles because one confidence, I think it can be intimidating if you're sitting in a yeah. classroom going for your HP one and you're staring around there and there's, you know, it's all male or, but I think you can grab onto a mentor. I think that start get entrenching. If you want to do it, go in as an assistant, start learning the game, learning it, learning it from someone who uh, you think that you'd like to be on their bench. And that way you can have a little bit of a hand in seeing what that is like, um, how they handle themselves, what it's like on ice. Maybe you bring an element to the game that they don't. And I think that's the great thing about a staff. You want to surround yourself with people who make you whole uh, and better. 
So I have a real eye for detail, but sometimes I can lose the bigger picture. So having someone here saying, yeah, no, the D is really widespread, Cheryl. Like, let's, 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 let's come out through the middle versus, you know, I'm looking at a a different detail in the game. So I think that that's really important that you have, you you cling on to someone that you trust a mentor and try and get in the game and, and, and see what it's like. And, and I think that you'll garner confidence when you're working with someone you respect. Um, But you have to, you have to get that opportunity. Yeah, good counsel. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. and I don't think you can leave it. And I think your knowledge, watch video. Uh, my, my coaching has grown tremendously since I started watching video all the time. And that's whether mm-hmm. it's with them or for my job or whatever, and start to really become a student. And I think as coaches, in order for us to improve, we have to become students. We're not just teachers. We right. have to remain students. And so I think that's a really big piece for them. So the advice would be, Grab onto a mentor, like grab onto someone and say, listen, I just want to, I want to get in there. I want to, I want to be a part of it. And maybe you're starting on ice and then you're moving through an assistant role and maybe you're doing some video. So you're, you're learning the sort of the, the greater scope of, of, of the bench. And then eventually having the confidence to say, I got my own team here because let's face it, it's way different to have your own team than yeah. to be, to be an assistant. Okay. Good counsel. Uh, I'm going to take some of that counsel too, because I've never been a coach and I don't have the confidence. So that's a good, good for me actually to, to think about as I'm thinking about that. So yeah, thank you. Because you don't need, you know, you don't have to have a, a, a an unbelievable slap shot to, 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 to coach the game. You, right. you know, or I would not be coaching it. I can't break a wet Kleenex with my shot. So <laughs> that's coach, not true. Cheryl. Shoot, well, yeah, we were we were losing using a rubber puck puff with an, with, with a robot goaltender who we couldn't score on. So um, good. Yeah. So for me, you know, that's a big thing. Like my mother was my coach. Right. And people can't believe it. So I'm 47 and my Mm -hmm. mother was my coach because my mom, my mom's father was the GM of the Montreal junior Canadians. So his office was at the forum and my mom was down there all the time. So she just watched hockey. I mean, Cliff Fletcher, Scotty Bowman, they come to the house, John Beliveau, and she'd be sitting there on the top of the stairs, listening them talk hockey. So she couldn't execute the skills. But who did she get to come on? I right. was Clint Lawton, Scott Lawton's daughter was the assistant coach, you know, like, right. so, so now all of a sudden you got someone who can show it. You got someone with a brain you got, and now you're pulling together a team and, and, and that's what it is behind the bench. And so that's, I don't think, I think women shy away because they don't have, some don't have, like if you haven't played at the highest level, um, they don't really have the confidence in your honest skills. And I think that sometimes affects um, yeah. your confidence yeah. in saying that you can coach a group. Right. So Cheryl, you have a, you know, you're, you're at a hockey journey that took you to the top of the women's game. Um, what advice would you have for young players in uh, that are just starting their journey or in, in the middle of their journey at the GTHL about uh, trying to take their game to the next level? I think you need to be present. Um, we focus so much on, as you know, like, you know, it's October and next year's team. We the puck hasn't dropped on our first game and yet we're, you know, worried about next year's team, which one we're going to make. Um, like, I think, I think being present, um, I think the feedback piece is critical for, for kids to understand and, and try and get better. You have to love it though, Puff. Like, you know, we have these moments in, in our journey where we, you know, we want to give up. We don't love it. That's natural, right? It's natural. You, you maybe you have a crappy group. Maybe your team is just not like you're losing all the time. Like there's, there's a number of factors, but if, if you have aspirations to 
to get to that next level, whatever that level may be. If you're a house league, you want to get to A, you want to get, get to double A, you want to, you know, it's all the same process. And so for me, when a kid wins a house league championship and a kid wins a triple A championships, like when you watch both, both are celebrating the same way, right? right. In, a, in an overtime win. They're both celebrating sure. the same way. So to me, if you want to get to that next level, you have to have drive. There is this intangible drive because there are a lot of good kids out there. So you have to do a little more and you have to do it right more. So it's, 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 it's getting the feedback. So going to shoot 10,000 pucks incorrectly, I don't I'm not interested in that challenge. So, you know, it's, it's doing it right, doing it over, being passionate about it. You're not always going to have your hundred percent game. How do you manage yourself when you don't? Right. Um, learning how to, who you are as a player, sticking with those strengths and growing off of them. And I think that's a really big piece. And that also, you know, communicating with your coach. I think you got to you can't just always go to the top team. You got to go to someone who's going to develop you. Right. And I really believe that because so often I know it. I've been caught in it. I've done it. We play to win. And. Sometimes we lose that development piece because of it. Mm -hmm. So for me, obviously we're playing a win, but I think you've got to have someone that can teach you, not just say, go get the puck. Like you're not a robot, right? right. Today's becoming so skill-based. The kids are not learning how to play the game, in my opinion. So, you know, go out there and don't be a robot. Trust your skills, but play for someone who is going to teach you, not just tell you where to go. Got it. So moving along here, though, you are now the new color commentator for EA or NHL 24 for EA Sports. You yeah. know, we're curious on how you got the gig and what it's like to be behind uh, the mic and be, you know, have your your voice in uh, millions of homes across the uh, across the country and North America and all over the world now. Well, I'm sure my nephews are putting me on mute, but uh, the <laughs> you know, it's pretty it's uh, it was kind of surreal, to be truthful. So just to try and be as quick as I possibly can with it. Cause it's a kind of a long drawn out story. Ray Ferraro was, was, uh, you know, obviously he's an unbelievable best in the game analyst. And um, he'd reached out to me during COVID to get involved in crossover into the NHL. Cause I was doing a lot of the women's hockey games, but I, in order to get better and grow personally in my craft was to get games and there wasn't enough in the women's game. So he's like, you got, you got to be doing more of this kind of thing. And we had a nice, healthy conversation around it. So there was a piece of mentorship there. Um, he was giving, gave me feedback on a couple of my first games, watched them, which I thought was incredible. And when this opportunity came up, like we knew he was retiring, let's face it. Ray, Fer Ray Ferraro did not, you know, this was not taken away from Ray Ferraro. Ray Ferraro no. chose that he was going to, Let's, you know, he was going to take a step back for his work, for his family, all those, those, those things within his life. So he knew that this was going to happen. And he reached out to me and said, I think you should put your name in the hat. And I'm kind of going, excuse me, like, I was really good at Frogger back in the day. And it's hard. <laughs> like, I, I don't know, man, like, this is kind of crazy. And he's like, I just think you should put your name. I know they're interviewing people, but like, just put your name in it. And he said, I, you know, I can put that forward if you're interested in an interview. So I said, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And I walked into the interview, not having any idea what was happening. Cause it was a live interview where you literally just, you do, you call the game. So they give you a scenario and they say, go, and then you just kind of ad lib. 
and go for it. And you have no idea what you're supposed to say or not say, but they just give you a scenario. So um, did that. James Sabolski, big game James comes on. So we do the duel. Like he just calls a goal and I chime in and we're just having some fun. Um, and yeah, they called me about a month later and they're like, yeah, we've done all our, our, you know, interviews and stuff. And we wanted to know if you want to be the next voice of the game. And I was like, holy like, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, what? Amazing. What? That's amazing. So the, the coolest thing I've ever done in my life, according to my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, like it was, it was pretty incredible. And uh, to, to have that opportunity and to share with my teams that there was going to be a female voice in the game and, yeah. um, and my girls and, you know, my nephews and yeah. So it, it was cool. It's surreal. It's sometimes you want to pull your hair out um, because it's so repetitive at different times, but it's uh, it's a neat thing. And I know that uh, we're proud of the work and uh, it's, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun to hear it. Yeah. Right Did on. you have well, any idea how much um, work goes into it behind the scenes? Putting one of those. Not a together? clue puff. Like, <laughs> like guys it's, you have, so as an, and I've said this numerous times and, and, but as an analyst, you know, and Puff, you work with me all the time. So you know how we mark plays and you're looking ahead of the play and I'm a little bit anal, like not, I'm, I'm, I'm like, Puff, 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 play that play, that play, that play, that play. Probably mark more than anyone uh, at yeah. TSN. I know it's, but that's just how I operate. And so yeah. with, with as an analyst, you choose, what I like to do is see a trend. And so you're, you're marking all these plays and then all of a sudden someone's name comes up a hundred times and you're like, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, like there's a really good pack here because this multiple layers to this player's game. But in the game, it's it's there's no eyes. You don't have your eyes. You're not talking about what happened. You're not talking about how it happened. You're just mm-hmm. right. like in the moment reacting. So the the more general it is, it's harder. So as an example, home team scores first two minutes of the game. Go. If you say, yeah, got the crowd in it. Yeah. You know, the building's going crazy and, you know, they came in yeah. ready. They're prepared. You know, coach had them prepared. Oh, stop, Cheryl. Stop. We don't know if they're in a building or they're outdoor. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Uh, you know, that's a way to dictate pace right off the hot man. The coach man. Is he ever happy? Cheryl, stop. Stop. We don't know that the coach is male. Okay. Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you were allowed to free wheel it. You were just saying things they were giving you, they gave you some, but you got to make up some. Right. Well, because yeah. you have these buckets, because imagine every time a goal was scored right. first five minute or first minute in, it yeah. was the same yeah. thing over and over. Got it, so yeah. You're trying to re like trying to think of different ways to say the same thing, to make it sound right. somewhat intelligent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But so it's easier when they're like, okay, you know, they're not an umbrella on the power play. And they score. I'm like, oh yeah, they were trying to hit the flank. Like th- that's easier, right? right? When it's more specific, when it's yeah. more specific. But you can't be like you. You're never talking specific to Austin Matthews or Timmy Stutzla, where you know their skill sets and their traits. But they come up in the game. But you're not talking to them because it's the content right. stitching to those names. Okay. The content's general, and then they take the names and they stitch it. Got it. So if I was talking about the Matthews, of course, I'd be talking how he skates on diagonals, he attacks the net, his right. shot is unbelievable. Like Stutzla, you know, I love Cincy Center. He goes east, west, and north, south, whatever. But you know their, their X factors, but they're not talking to them. Yeah. Got it. So people would be like, well, why you mentioned Timmy Stutzla? Nice. Because I've never, you don't call Timmy Stutzla because there's 7,000 names that get yeah. stitched to that particular high umbrella. 
Does that make sense? So yeah, it totally like, makes sense. So yeah. It's, so it's becomes, it's, it's interesting because it's, yeah. it's general yet I'm more detailed. So right. it's trying to massage that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible what they can do though, how they edit this. And oh. Did you I get any say, say in what music they play? Did you get nothing, any, nothing, nothing on the music? No, no. no. So that... I, I, zero. I just, James and I are strictly yeah. responsible for the scenarios they the give scenarios us and the give, content yeah. that we come up with in, in that. And, and that's it. Even like the names, the phone book, we call it the 7,000 names where you sit there for hour for four hours and go, you know, Minnesota. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 Right. You got to <laughs> say everything. How, yeah. It, that it, must have been hours and hours. Oh, I think, I mean, there must've been 250 recording hours or more, but oh, if yeah. you, if you, but if your energy doesn't match. So I was so excited, obviously my first recording session, what a mistake. Yeah. What a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep like, that up for 250 oh, hours. Like, I'm up and I'm like, say my names. I'm like, you know, he fires the puck. So the next, but the problem is when you stitch those names, yeah. the energy has yeah. to match. So if right. I'm getting the phone book, I'm like, Matthews, you know, McDavid. <laughs> right. They're like, no, no, Pounder. Like it's got to match. I'm like, no. Matthew. <laughs> 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 because it all came off of those first few samples. I'm like, oh, man, no. I'm going to. I need some, I need, I need some, some energy here. So, so yeah. Yeah. A really kind of, kind of neat well, process cool. to see yeah. how it unfolds for sure. And then how they put it all together. Yeah. Very cool. But I have no idea, no idea about like hybrid controls, this and pressure system. Like that's all them. Um, yeah. We're the, we're the, we're the content. Yeah. Now, Cheryl, one thing we ask, uh, we always talk about is music on the podcast. Um, what to, What's your uh, go-to song right now uh, with your uh, teams in the dressing room to get them all fired up? Well, they know that me on the ice. So I play music for my first few warm-up drills. And if I get Gloria, <laughs> yes, I know I'm old. <laughs> I... I motor. I bring out the old pounder legs and I am <laughs> firing. And every once in a while, they'll change the song just to, and they're all like, pounder, right? Because it, yeah. yeah. So, so that's Gloria. my go to. Sorry, guys. It's ancient. No, awesome. And it's funny now the kids like it. So I'm like, see, see. Right. Bring because it back. I don't, I don't understand your rap me. I don't understand it. And I don't understand yeah. it. So let's just stick with this. So, yeah. Yeah. That's my song. I know. Okay. Awesome. Well, that's great. Yeah. Totally Thank good. you so much for joining the podcast today, Cheryl. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Okay. That was, I told you Cheryl can go. She can talk. She talked. That was good, but it was full of insight and full of, uh, full of good advice. Yeah. She's uh, like, I have, I've uh, worked with Cheryl now, I don't know, maybe three or four years. And right. um, it's incredible to watch a, a hockey game with her. Because she, as you saying, she is so detailed oriented and she's on it every play. And uh, she really sees the game differently than a lot of people I work with. Right. And uh, she's a she's really is a brilliant hockey mind. Yeah. Well, she said she, since she's been watching more video, uh, she really understood the game a bit, you know, maybe not more, but better or different angles or different thoughts on approaches to things. And so, you know, I think her new career at TSN, uh, really leans into that to make her a great coach as well and a great hockey analyst. And she is an intense coach. She's on the her, her team. She's pretty she's young. Uh, yeah, she cracks the whip. She's yeah uh, at the parents too. I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh, yeah, she doesn't take anything. I don't think. Yeah. Well, I, I as you know, I do know Gary, her younger brother, quite well, and I yes. know, you know, yeah, 
she would have to crack the whip to keep him in control for sure. <laughs> he's a wild man. Wild card. Yeah, he's well. well he, listen, he's one of the funniest guys I know for sure. But you know, you got to be on your toes when you're around Gary. That's for sure. So. Yeah. So listen, a great interview with Cheryl. We'll be back later this week uh, where we'll have an update on the rankings. Yep. We're actually going to do uh, a new little segment called what's your favorite logo in the GTHL oh, brought yes. to you. Uh, you know, so we we've printed off our logos here and we're going to have our puffs top five and GCAT's top five logos. Great suggestion from Ozzy. Actually, he said, why don't you got, why don't you say who your favorite logos is? And uh, uh, I also, yeah. Doing a so, great job with the podcast. He's like our intern now. Well, actually, I'll take a moment here too. Also, uh, he started our TikTok account because I don't have oh, TikTok. Perfect. And he was like, oh, I'm going to start your TikTok account. So he's taking the the handle on that one, um, okay. which I don't have any of the details on. I'm sure it's just to the ring podcast, the same as our Instagram at. Uh, we're just getting started on TikTok as well, but we know that we have to be on that platform as well to share and share some of the clips that we have. And then also, uh, so we got the rankings. We'll talk about our favorite logos. And I'm going to do a, a light deep dive, you know, a light deep dive. I don't even know if that's a thing. <laughs> I don't think that's a thing. But anyway, I've made it up yeah. on what is Canlan. You know, we talk oh. about these things, you know, what are these words and these things and these places and these names we say in GTHL? But what? who are they? What are they? So I've done a bit of research on what is Canlan. You know, what do they own? What do they operate? You know, how do they operate? Uh, and what is that uh, company? So talk a little bit about that later in the week. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining, everybody. Thanks, Stoff. Thanks, Cheryl. Puff? We'll see you uh, at the rink in a couple days. Yes, we'll see you then. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.